If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to get into God's Word this evening. And uh, grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 13. Uh, I realize that it's getting late, and I'm going to try to be as quickly as I can. Um, so uh, just kind of bear with me. Uh, tonight's message is, uh, is uh, really, the title of tonight's message is a question. So we're going to read two verses in uh, chapter 13 of the book of John. Uh, verse number 11 is uh, the first verse we're going to read, and then uh, uh, verse number 18. And then we're going to expound upon the chapter and talk a little bit and be able to uh, possibly find uh, a, a suggestive answer to the question that uh, we have for tonight. First, uh, in, ver in verse number 11 it says, For he knew... He being Jesus, he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Verse number 18, it says, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. May we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this night. And I thank you for all the many uh, students that have uh, tried so hard and really persevered throughout the last two semesters and last semester, Lord, to grow with you, Lord. What an encouragement. Lord God, I pray that right now, I pray that we would uh, focus on your word and Lord, that we would be able to uh, learn from you tonight. Lord, and may our hearts be opened and may our hearts be soft to the, to the uh, uh, reading of your word. And Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. So the, the question that I have tonight is why did Jesus choose Judas to be one of his disciples? Why did Jesus choose Judas to be one of his disciples? Now I can stop here and tell you that there is no definitive answer in God's word that says this is why he cho chose Judas. But I want to give you some suggestions tonight as to why Jesus could have possibly chosen Judas. Have you ever had a question that just didn't seem like it had an answer? Have you ever heard a question that didn't seem like you had, that had an answer to it? I'm going to read a couple of questions and see if you, can, you might have even heard a couple of these. First question that I found is, if a turtle loses his shell, is he naked or is he homeless? Second question I see is, if a cannibal eats a clown, does it taste funny? If the professor on Gilligan's Island can make a radio out of a coconut, why can't he fix the hole in the side of a ship? Don't know the answer to those questions. If swimming is supposed to be so good for you, why do whales look the way they do? Don't know the answer to that question. I like this one the best. I saved the best for last. If Jimmy cracked corn and nobody cared, why did they write a song about him? Don't know the answers to some of those questions. But even though we might not know some of the answers to the questions in God's Word, one of the questions that I have when I see, uh, when I see our Heavenly Father is, what was Jesus like as a teenager? You know, because it, it talks about when he was 12, but when he became a teenager, there's nothing there. So I kind of want to know what, what Jesus was like as a teenager. And so this is kind of like one of those questions. I don't know the answer to those, uh, to those questions here, but the question tonight is, why did Jesus choose Judas to be one of his disciples? Over in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, the Bible says that before he chose his disciples, he, uh, he, it says that he prayed all night long. And after praying all night long, he rose and went and chose those men, those 12. So there they are. We see Peter and James and John and, and Bartholomew and, and Andrew and Philip and on down the line. And then at the very end and in the scriptures and God's word, every time in the New Testament when, it, when, when the Bible talks about the 12 disciples and, and mentions the 12 disciples, at the very end of the 12 disciples, 
we find Judas. We find Judas at the very end every time that the 12 disciples are mentioned in, in, in God's word. The Lord always, let me, let me stop here and let, you, let, let me remind you that the Lord always had his prayers answered. The Lord always had his prayers answered. Uh, in John chapter 11, just before uh, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, Jesus said, Father, I thank thee that thou always hearest me. He always had his prayers answered. So with, his, with that being, with us knowing that Jesus' prayers always got answered, why would Jesus choose someone like Judas? Why would Jesus choose someone like Judas? If you, if you or I were putting a group together as, as Jesus did for his disciples, I'm sure that we'd want to get the very best that we could possibly get. And now we're going to talk about a spiritual group tonight. We're not going to be talking about the biggest and most muscular or the wisest or whatever. But I'm sure that we want someone who would be faithful in our group, right? We would want someone who would be faithful, not someone that would betray us or not someone that would stab us in the back. We would want in our group that we build, we would want the very best of the best that would follow us and that would follow after us and that would do what we ask them to do. That's what we would want. And yet Jesus chooses Judas. Just in case you might say, well, Jesus might have not have known what he was getting when he chose Judas. I disagree with that. I disagree with that because let me tell you, even though Jesus Christ came down as God, he was God, came down and wrapped himself in flesh and he was here on earth, he still held the attributes of God. The three attributes of God that we mention all the time is, uh, is the fact that God is om omnipresent everywhere at once, uh, omnipo uh, omnipotent, excuse me, uh, all-powerful, and omniscient, and all-knowing. And I believe that Jesus Christ, when he came down to this earth, he knew exactly what he was getting when he chose Judas. The only thing that Jesus Christ did not have when it came to the attributes was the fact that it was, he was not omnipresent. He was confined to an earthly body. He could not be everywhere at once. So why, knowing that, that Judas would betray Jesus, why would, he, uh, why, would he, why would Jesus choose Judas? John Phillips said in his, in his book on the Gospel of John, he said that the mystery of the manger is that God was able to transform deity into dust without damaging the dust or discarding the deity. Amen. That's some good stuff. Jesus was still God, and we believe that Jesus was God on foot. And let me tell you something, Jesus knew exactly what he was getting. So three suggestions to this question tonight and I'm done. Maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus chose Judas for the purpose of demonstration. For the purpose of demonstration. You might say, well, what do I mean? Maybe Jesus, by choosing someone like Judas, was demonstrating to you and to me the fact that Jesus can and Jesus will love anybody. Jesus can and Jesus will love anybody. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or where you're going or what you will do, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus knows exactly what you're going to do, and yet Jesus loves you. Jesus loved Judas. And you say, well, how are you going to prove that to me? I'm glad you asked because we're going to dig into God's Word and find out tonight. I truly believe that even though all of the things that Judas did in the process of betrayal to Jesus Christ, Jesus loved him every step of the way. Jesus loved him every step of the way. In our text here, we find uh, Jesus is just a few hours away from being 
taken and, and beaten and crucified. And in our text, we find them at, at, at a point here where they, he is with his 12 disciples in the upper room having what we come to call the Last Supper. Let me just say that, this, uh, that Judas was not acting as a robot here, okay? Judas wasn't acting as a robot. He was a willing participant in what he did in betraying Jesus Christ. He wasn't a robot. He wasn't overtaken. He, was willingly, uh, he willingly participated in overtaking Christ. And the thing that gets me is the fact that he sold Christ out for 30 pieces of silver. That tells me that that's how much Judas thought of Jesus. And the act of betrayal to Jesus Christ. One of the, betray the betrayal of all betrayals in the history of mankind is this one right here. When Judas betrayed Jesus in spite of all of those things, Jesus loved Judas. Verse number four in our text, it says, in our chapter, excuse me, it says that after they were done eating, verse number four, it says, he riseth from supper after they were done and laid aside his garments. This is talking about Jesus. And took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Oh, let me tell you, in studying this, Joy overwhelmed me because I know what kind of a sinner I am. Do you know what this is saying? This is saying, it says the disciples. Judas was still a disciple, okay? I could see Jesus getting down, putting, putting his garment to the side, getting down, and he starts washing Peter's feet. And, and then he gets Peter's, he, Peter's done, and he's explaining what, and he's talking to him and explaining why he's doing this. And Peter's, Peter's saying, whoa, 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 no, no, you don't need to wash my feet. And then he explains why, why I'm washing his feet. And then he's like, okay, wash me all over. Wash me up here and down. And he says, no, I don't need to wash you all over, but I do need to wash your feet. But as you walk, because as you walk in this world, your feet get kind of dirty in the, in the filth and mire and muck that you walk through. So I need to wash your feet. And so Jesus is there, and he washes Peter's feet. He washes James' feet. He washes John's feet. Let me tell you, if that was me... I would, well, first of all, I'm not a big foot person, so it'd be hard for me to be able to wash feet. But I'd wash Peter's feet and be okay with him. And I'd wash James' feet and it'd be okay with him and John and on down the line. And then when I'd get to Judas, I'd say, no, sir, I know you. I know you're going to betray me. I'm not washing your feet. Let me tell you something. Jesus washed his feet. A sign of love to his disciples. And yet he still washed his feet knowing that Judas was going to betray him. Verse number 25 and 26, it says this. He then lying in, uh, uh, on Jesus' breast, talking about John, <clears throat> uh, he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Well, uh, this is talking about Peter, excuse me, Simon Peter. And, and he says, Lord, who is it? And Jesus says in verse number 26, Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. Now, that might not mean much to us, but let's first find out what this sop is. A sop is a piece of bread that was, uh, that was dipped into some crushed herbs and crushed fruit, like a, like a dip that we have today. And it was crushed in the herbs, and, and he said, when I dip that sop, and this was especially made for the, for the day of the Passover. And when he said, he said, when I dip that sop, and I give that, that was a symbol of giving it to the guest of honor. Think about that for a second. Jesus Christ, about to be betrayed, he says, I'm going to give the sop, the thing that symbolizes giving to the guest of honor, someone who, who, who was responsible for this great meal, someone who was responsible for all the great things that has happened at the supper. He says, I'm going to give it, and I'm going to dip it, and I'm going to give the sop to Judas. 
showing him, I love you. I know what you're about to do, but I love you. I, I truly believe that Jesus loved Judas through this. Even at the betrayal, he loved him. Another thing that points to the fact that Jesus loved Judas is this. In our text, it says, they, they, uh, John, uh, Peter asked, he said, Lord, is it I? And all the, disciples, all the disciples said, who is it? Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that the disciples had no idea that it was Judas. They didn't step back and say, I know it's Judas. That tells me that Jesus Christ treated Judas the same way he treated every one of the other disciples. Oh yes, he loved Peter. Oh yes, he loved John. Oh yes, he loved James. And he loved Andrew and Bartholomew and Philip and on down the line. And yes, he still loved Judas. Even after he betrayed him. I truly believe that Jesus loved Judas. The last thing that points to the fact that I know of this, of this demonstration of love to Judas is when, when Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Think about it. Judas tells the Roman soldiers that when we get there, you're going to know him by when I kiss him. The man that I kiss on the cheek, he's the one you need. And so he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he goes up and he kisses Jesus. You know what the Bible says that Jesus said? Friend. You look up that word friend, you know what that means? Intimate one. Loved one. Before the actual betrayal, even the time when he said, you're the one that's going to betray me. And then in the very act, of handing him over to the soldiers. He said, I love you. Friend, I love you. This tells me <laughs> that no matter how dirty, how dirty, rotten I am, that Jesus loves me. And do you know what that tells me? That tells me that he loves you. It doesn't matter. He loves you so much that he give his life, which he did, for you. It's a demonstration. Maybe he chose Judas for, Judas for the purpose of demonstration. Secondly, maybe he chose Judas for the purpose of examination. For the purpose of examination. Now, don't let me lose you here. I'm not up here. I didn't come here tonight to preach to make you doubt your salvation. I don't, I don't think a preacher should get up and preach in, in an aspect of making someone doubt whether they are truly saved or not. I believe that's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not our job to get up here and preach on doubt. It's our job to get up here and preach on assurance. The fact that when you're saved, you're always saved. It doesn't matter. You can't lose it. You cannot lose it. The Bible says that there, uh, that, um, the, uh, the Bible says that there's neither death nor height nor principality nor power that can separate us from the love of God. In John chapter 10 and verse number 28 it says, And I give unto them eternal life, this is Jesus speaking here, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Out of my hand. You cannot lose your salvation. So I don't want to say that here. But in the same aspect, can, in the same aspect, can I say this? The goal, the, the idea and the point of this point, the goal of this point, is to not make you doubt your salvation, but the, maybe Jesus chose Judas as an example to the fact that people can fake a relationship with God. 
they can fake a relationship with God. I understand there, there have been, and I know, my brother was one of them, where I thought when I was younger, I thought he was saved, and I got, we got a phone call. I don't know if my mom remembers this. Where they were at camp. I was too young at the time, so I couldn't go with them. They were at camp, and, and we, it was a Wednesday night because we were at church. We came back home, and our landline, oh, our landline was flashing at us, and so we had a message, and, and I hit that message, and it was Silas on the phone saying, hey, I got saved tonight. So I understand that that, that is possible, but that's, that's not the main point with, this second, with the second point. is The main point is, is that we as Christians can fake a relationship with God. We can fake a relationship with God just as Judas did. When Jesus made the uh, announcement about the betrayal in verse number 22, it says that the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. He was such a good faker that even the other disciples who walked with him and talked with him and went alongside of him and saw him every day in and day out, that even they couldn't figure it out until Jesus said it. Let me tell you something. It is very possible, if we're not careful as Christians, that we can fake a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about growing with Christ. It's about growing closer to him. It's about growing closer to our Heavenly Father. Judas, let me tell you something. Judas heard the messages. He heard them, oh mercy, I wish I can, I wish I could have been there when Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. On the sermon on the Mount. Uh, he was a preacher's preacher. I believe that with all my heart. And you know, everybody has their kind of preacher that they like listening to. First of all, let me say this. This is for free. It's not even in my notes. No matter what kind of preacher's preaching, if they're preaching from the Word of God, we are to pay attention. And I'm talking to myself here. But I know that we all have, you know, our, 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 our preachers that we like listening to. And so this is, man, I think of Jesus, and I would love to hear him preach. Judas was right there. He heard him preach. He, he, he heard the Sermon on the Mount. He heard about in Mark chapter 2 when, when Jesus got back to Capernaum, and the house was full. I'm paraphrasing here. But the house was full, and the people gathered up and around the outside of the building so much because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And he, I'm sure he preached a good one. I'm sure he preached that heaven is real and hell is hot. I'm sure he preaches that he is the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. I'm sure he preached all of those things. And I'm sure he was a phenomenal, great, the greatest of all preachers. And Judas was sitting right there and he saw the messages. He heard the messages. And yet he was able to fake his way through those three years that he served with Jesus Christ. Or that he walked with Jesus Christ. He heard the messages. He saw the miracles. How many in here have seen a miracle? Okay. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's a God answered a prayer. That's a miracle. I, Judas got to see Lazarus walk out of a grave. Judas... He got to see Lazarus walk out of a grave after being dead for four days. He, he got to see, he was in the boat when the storm was rocking and, and all the disciples thought that they were going to die. He was in the boat and Jesus Christ got up and he said, peace be still. And the winds and sea obeyed him and it was a calm. 
He saw the miracles. He saw, he, 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 he saw the blind see and he saw, and, he, and he saw the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the dead rise again, rise again. Let me tell you something. He saw the miracles, and yet he was still able to fake it. He was still able to fake a relationship with Christ. He heard the messages. He saw the miracles. He worked in the ministry. He worked in the ministry. He worked alongside with his disciples and with Jesus Christ. He preached. He did miracles. What are you saying by all this, Brother Moses? What I'm saying is if we're not careful, even though we sit in a pew, we can fake a relationship with Jesus Christ. Flip the coin and look at the good side. Even though we might be at this point, I'm not saying continue in it. God's, God's, God's saying, fix it. I still love you. I still love you. After seeing all the miracles and, 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 and hearing all the messages, Judas still said, I'm portraying Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe Jesus chose Judas for the purpose of examination. Judas was so close, yet so far away. There's more to being a Christian than just religion. It's about a relationship. There's more to, the, to being a Christian than facts in your head. It's about faith in your heart. It's about faith in your heart. There's verses in the Bible that say things like this. Examine yourselves whether you, uh, you be in the faith. Verses that say they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, no doubt they would have continued with us. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's entirely possible if we're not careful that we can fake a relationship with Christ. So maybe, maybe Jesus chose Judas for the purpose of demonstration. Maybe he chose Judas for the purpose of examination. And lastly, maybe, maybe Jesus chose Judas for the purpose for the purpose of inspiration I want to end on an encouraging note you say well what's so encouraging about this well here here we have Jesus he chose Judas and Judas has betrayed him stabbed him in the back he's a devil as the Bible says do you know what Jesus did he didn't grab his ball and bat and go home to heaven he didn't quit and say, well, there's, a, there's someone that's a devil, okay, so I can't, well, just, I'll just go find another group or I'll go find another guy. No, do you know what Jesus did? He kept right on doing what God wanted him to do. He kept right on doing what, Jesus Christ, what, what his heavenly father called him to earth to do. How's that encouraging, Brother Moses? Glad you asked. Let me, let me say it like this. Since Jesus had one hypocrite in his crowd, it doesn't make me feel so bad that there's a few in ours. Now, I'm not justifying the fact of hypocrisy or the fact that we can be two-faced at times. Try to serve two masters, as the Bible says. I'm not condoning that, but what I am saying is we cannot let that stop us from doing what God has called you to do because God has called each and every one of us to do something for him. Don't let that stop you because bitterness has come up in your heart and you're looking at somebody across the auditorium and you're saying, I just can't believe it. If 
bunch of fakers. Hey, don't worry about that. Just keep trucking on. Don't worry about them. Jesus didn't. But this is the thing. He didn't just cast Judas aside. He still allowed him to hear the messages. He still allowed him to see the miracles. He still allowed him to see all of these great things. And do you know what he did? He still showed him the love that he was about to demonstrate on the cross to Judas. How do we apply that to us? With the problems that we might have in our church today, and I speak specifically of Hillside Baptist Church, maybe we need to move on from the hypocrisy or maybe we need to move on from the judgment or bitterness that we have against each other and maybe we need to say, you know what, I need to keep trucking on for the Lord Jesus Christ and still show the love to that person that I'm supposed to. Come on. Because something that is destroying churches today is bitterness. It's destroying families. And if we're not careful, Hillside Baptist Church will crumble under that line. Because we have bitterness or because we are judging other people and we're not focusing on just serving Christ and keep on keeping on. It's taken time, but I'm glad I can stand in front of you today and be able to say with a pure, with a pure focused heart, be able to say, I no longer have a burden on my heart because of bitterness I held against someone. wasn't easy to get to this point. Maybe, maybe, I don't know where you're at tonight. I really don't. And I, I'm winding down, I promise. I don't know where you're at. But one thing I can tell you, if we want to succeed as a church, one of the main things we've got to do is keep moving on for Christ and not worry about the, the fakers and not worry about the hypocrites and not worry about the bitterness that could come up, spring up because of those issues in our heart. We need to keep trucking on for Jesus Christ. Keep going on. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. I'm so glad Jesus Christ, even in such pain and agony, he still kept going on. I'm so glad Jesus was able to say it is finished. Because if he didn't, we would be finished. Last thing. When I was younger, this is the last story and I'm done, I promise. When I was younger, I, li we, I lived and grew up in Germany, for those of you who do not know. Most of you know that. But we lived in the center of town where there was lots of lights and everything. But halfway through the time that we lived in Germany, we got a garden. And um, what I mean by that is basically it was a backyard that we never had. Okay, So we lived in the city. Our backyard was, uh, was cobblestone and broken glass and things of that nature. And so my dad purchased a garden where we had a small swimming pool and a little badminton net. And we had to ride our bikes to get there, about a 30-minute bike, bike ride to get there. And I remember one night, me and my dad and my two brothers, we went out there to go, and we went camping in a hut. Um, not in a tent, but we went camping. Don't judge, please. We went camping, and I remember walking out of that little hut that we were in, and I looked up. And with all the lights, with there no lights being around us, I looked up, and I saw all the stars. 
from millions and millions of stars. And as I was looking up there, you know what happened? I saw a shooting star. And as a kid, man, I was like, whoa, that's cool. So I went in and I told my brothers, I said, hey, I saw a shooting star. You know, we get so excited about shooting stars. We, we make wishes, we wish for millions of dollars, or the best looks in the world, the biggest muscle. We make all kinds of wishes. I thought back to that time when I was studying over this, and I realized something. We shouldn't be so excited about the stars that come and go. We should be more in awe of the millions and billions of stars that are already put up in the heavens by our, by our creator, God Almighty. You know what that tells me? Maybe we should stop worrying about the hypocrites that shoot and come and go through our churches. Maybe we should start being thankful for the ones that are faithful, the ones that have been here the whole time. And I'm proud to say I can look all over this auditorium and say it's you and it's you and it's you and it's you and it's you. Y'all are wonderful examples. But let me finish with this. Are you a follower or are you a faker? Do you know, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight, do you know 100% that you'd be going to heaven if you died? Do you, do you know at all anything about Jesus Christ? And like I said, I'm not here to cause doubt, but there was a time that I struggled with my salvation. I wasn't for sure. I wasn't 100% sure, and I had to get it right. If that's you tonight, I beg you, nine after eight and I'm done. Get it taken care of. We're about to see something awesome in a couple of minutes. Someone follow in obedience to the Lord in baptism because she got it right. How about you? How about you? Are you prepared to see Jesus tonight?